You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season, we are delving into the global phenomenon of Juliantina. I'm Sheena. My pronouns are she, her. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Monica McCowan. My pronouns are she, her as well. And I am a lesbic author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast. But uh, extremely excited to, to get to relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of. When we left off last time, Jules was arguing with her mother, saying she wanted to go and turn in Jacob, who's in the hospital as her hitman father and Lupe was begging her not to so that's where we ended off last time now we start this episode with Val still being in a funk she's now thinking about last time we saw that Lucia and her were talking about something and she discovered that Lucia knew that Jacob was actually Jules's father except that he's not it's just his body and she told Val last time. So now Val is all depressed and sad and sitting in her bedroom. Right. And the big thing is, I think we've mentioned this, but Lucia and Hakabo are actually the main leads in the show. And they are lovers. And they have this whole crazy story going on. Because like she helped kill her husband. And then he comes back and they fall in love again. So I don't know that he's shared who he is with her quite yet but she knows that he's in the wrong body and they you know have this whole storyline going on the thing the show does really well is everybody has these separate character arcs which is why you get like how many hours like close to 15 of just Huli and Tina scenes with other characters peppered in but you can make like this super cut montage like we're watching which is much more difficult to achieve on other shows but yeah, there, there's a lot going on with the other characters, so we'll try and do our best to fill in those gaps, but even I haven't seen, like, the totality of the show from start to finish, because it's, like, 87 hours worth of episodes. Right, and uh, as much as we love or hate the other characters, they're not nearly as interesting as Jules and Val. Right, and that takes a U.S. show about four years to achieve four to five years when they hit their hundredth episode. The show did it in four months. So you can imagine the the emotional roller coaster getting that much content. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So now we start and Val is sitting in her bedroom. The bedroom is beautifully like decorated. It's all blues and whites and very pretty. And Shivis comes in with food and she's trying to feed Val and Val is just like not have, having it. She says, I'm not hungry. And more than that, she was looking at a picture of Juliana before Chivis came in. She's, you know, pushed Juliana away, but obviously she's still very present in her life and they make that very clear to the viewer. She's also thinking about it because she's thinking about the fact that Jules didn't tell her that um, this guy that she's become friends with is actually Jules's father. Who And she's struggling to reconcile that, you know, what Jules told her about her father, the, the hitman, with this man that she knows. So Sylvina's still pushing the food on her. You have to eat something. Eventually she just snaps and Val's just like, leave, leave. She just had enough. 
So now we cut to, to university and Lucio and Sergio are talking about Val. Ah, yes. This is where Lucio discovers that Jules and Val are not together anymore. And he looks a little too interested in it. Uh, he also says that Val deserved the bullying she got because of, you know, what she put him through. Such a lovely human being. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting, though. He he articulates very clearly. This is... It's a complicated situation. You see a bit of humanity for him, even though he didn't respond in the right way. He's very clear with Sergio that he responded the way he did because she cheated on him, that he's not a homophobe. So I think that's an interesting intersectionality of the scene. And also, I don't know, I think they just play Sergio as like this good time guy who wants to keep everybody together. Um, because that's kind of what he does, good and bad. He brings these groups of people together that aren't necessarily willing or wanting to talk to one another, you know, and sometimes that's good in the case of Juliana, and sometimes that's bad in the case of Lucho. But I think if you, you know, zoom out there, he does it with everybody, so you can maybe believe that he's not just trying to stir the pot. He's just dumb and, you know, wants all of his friends to be friends. I think that's pretty accurate, though, of what he is trying to do. I think he genuinely cares about Val and he genuinely wants Lucio and Val to be in a better place and for everybody to just be friends again. Yeah, and I I don't mean this as a dig, um, but the more we rewatch this, the more I kind of think, like, he's not intelligent enough to be super shady you know because with lucho it's not like he just brings it up randomly there's a very organic reason valentina just got kidnapped and he's coming at it from a standpoint of really sucks she doesn't have any of her friends because the three of them for a very long time were thick as thieves part of what makes it difficult is that a lot of the other intersecting characters that we see of the main cast obviously have their own story arcs. Lucho and Sergio do not. They exist only to drive the plot of Valentina and Juliana forward. And I think that that makes it a lot easier to not really see them as real people or to, to judge any of the choices they make a little more harshly versus some of the other characters that do things. Wow, Monica, have you had enough coffee this morning? You're on a different like wavelength with these guys today. Why? I don't know, you just seem a lot more tolerant. You know, we're going through it. And even though I've already watched these a number of times, I think that's the great thing about rereading a book or rewatching a TV show. You always kind of see something that you missed before. And these are feelings I've had before. And the nice thing about a podcast is this is just kind of rapid fire stream of consciousness. So, you know, talk to me in two more scenes and we'll see. <laughs> um, but I'm just not telling you how I feel. I'm processing along with you and with the viewers as I watch this. But in that scene, I really did feel like that's what they conveyed. Cool. So now we head to the next scene and we've got a bit of a meeting happening in Val's bedroom. We've got the psychiatrist dude. We've got Ava and um, is that her brother? Guillaume. Yeah, yeah. Val's sitting on the bed with 
with Ava and the two guys are standing next to it. And Ava's explaining, I already showed her the newspaper that states Servando died. He's bed center, but she's still very afraid. So she's obviously going through it still and the family's congregating to try and help her. And she's saying she really does hear them still. And she hears gunshots and she hears these bad guys. So now they leave her with uh, Camilo. And he's giving her options. He says that there's different ways that we can treat this. There's different professional ways. She's feeling concerned that people think she's crazy when she's going through this kind of PTSD stuff. And he's saying, no, he believes her. He has a lot of patients who actually go through this. But she's still kind of set on the idea, you know, she just wants to make the feelings go away. And I think it's interesting that I think the underlying thing of that is she wants to make all the feelings go away, not just related to, you know, what's happened with the kidnapping. Oh, interesting. See, I hadn't hadn't thought about that. You you think she wants something that sort of numbs her from everything so that she can just not feel any of these horrible feelings she's feeling, including the sorrow about Jules? Absolutely. And I think there's also an interesting level deeper that that's what she used to do with alcohol. But even in spite of what's happening now, you know, she did start drinking and went off on Ava. But right now she's not drinking, which would have been absolutely what she used to do. So I think even in spite of her sadness, there's a very clear, like the viewer is seeing she's changing as a person, but now she's had more trauma kind of heaped onto her than she can really deal with. So, you know, objectively, therapy is a much healthier way um, to cope with the intensity of her feelings. But I think that's a little bit of kind of what I got out of it without them being like overt with with explaining it to the viewer. Mm. And he's offering her different options. He says we can do pulls. You know, there's also hypnosis. He's actually a, like I like him. Oh, yeah. He's definitely set up as like one of the good guys. Trademark. He and Gia. And Hakabo, even though, you know, sometimes Willie and Tina doesn't feel that way about Hakabo. Well, Val always does, but not Julia. Now it's interesting because he sits down and has a conversation with Ava. And he says to her straight up that one of the things that Val needs right now is family support. And Ava's like, there's always people around the house. There's lots of people here. And he's saying to her, okay, but there's a big difference between having a lot of people around and actually having family support. I think that's such an important point. Yeah, I mean, this scene is just, for it not being the two main characters, it is chock full of information because sometimes you need other people talking about the characters. You know, you need, it's hard. Like, as a writer, I always want, I'm going through this right now, it's kind of a non sequitur, but I'm working on a work in progress and I struggle because I always want the main characters to be in scenes together, but that does not a book make. I mean, it can if you, like, strand them on a mountain or something. (gasps) Write that book. Two characters stranded on a mountain. Yes, I'm there for that. Yeah. Yeah, Anyway. (laughs) That's a whole other level. It's a a whole other level of being able to write that way because there is what happens with your MCs together. There's what your MCs talk about with other people, and there's what other people say about your MCs to one another. 
Um, and there's a whole lot that goes into it, depending on like the perspective you use for the book and whose point of view and all of that good stuff. TV is really great because it's very easy to see two other characters talking about the main character. And so much is happening here. So Camilla, we've only really seen him once in our scenes so far. And that's when Juliana's dad's body, which is Valentina's dad, I haven't had to say that for a while, says he saw them kissing. And Camilla's like, so what? Like, so what? So that's, you know, that's what we know of Camilla. So already we're kind of rooting for him. And then he comes to Valentina and offers her different options. So we love that. And then he goes to Ava and kind of drops this like truth bomb that, yeah, Ava, she's in this house with all these people, but nobody cares. Your dad didn't care. And I will bet you a million dollars that's something her dad has been talking about with Camillo because they're still having conversations. And Camillo is the one who helped him get back into the house as the chauffeur and vouched for him. And then furthermore, you know, Ava just, Ava just wants to make things go away. She wants to bully people into submission, or she wants to medicate them into submission. Like, it's, I don't want to say that Ava is inherently bad, but she has this perspective that problems need to be solved quickly that there's an answer and that that's what you do, not that it is a process and that you have to have hard conversations over and over again and people have different paces. Like Ava's kind of a one-size-fits-all, top-down approach person. When she says, I want to medicate Valentina, like I think the knee-jerk reaction is, well, that's really messed up. And it is, but like in Ava's world, that's how she would solve any type of problem. Medication is just the manifestation of the situation that they find themselves in now. What's interesting for me about the conversation between psychiatrist dude and Ava, though, as well, is he stops with Val talking about Val at one point and he turns to her and says, How are you doing? In this very kind of knowing way, he gets it that something's up with her and he sort of pushes a bit and, and she keeps denying, No, no, she's fine, she's fine. But he says to her, You know, my door's always open for you. And you can see that that really affects her. Someone can see through the crack, the veneer of this, everything's fine. Yeah. And I think the way Valentina is trying so hard to find love or find someone that sees her, like that's how her feelings of abandonment manifest. But Ava's is not letting anybody in and being stoic and completely shutting down. And I also think that that's an interesting tenet of the show, you know, the sibling dynamics and how they each react to the loss of their father and the world that they've been brought up in. Absolutely. And now as he leaves, there's a moment of her just sitting on the couch and you just have that moment where she, you can see that crack. And I would just like everybody to know that Claudia Martin, who plays Ava on the show, is a wonderful proponent of LGBT rights and posted a great photo for Pride. Oh, that's nice. So I struggled because she doesn't even look like the same, you know, person really. She does, but like just everything about her is like so different from Ava. But it's very exciting to see that. That's what I hold on to when I see <laughs> Ava. All right. So now we cut to the next scene where... Val is busy taking her medication. And who's this person sitting here? 
So this is Guillet's original love interest, who I think everybody kind of expects him to be with because she's a little more from their world. I'm not sure what situation led to Guillet bringing her over instead of Renata, but she discusses how, you know, she was assaulted when she was in New York and was on medication for a couple of months and again makes the same offer. And I'll be honest, I don't really know the point of throwing her back into the show. So maybe in this rewatch, I'll get a better sense. I don't know if it's to stir up trouble with Guillet and Renata. I think it must be. And we as, you know, the Holy and Tina viewer just don't see that a lot. I think it might be to close her arc or something because she talks about her boyfriend. She's got a boyfriend now. She's very happy. Some person named Lucas. So this might be just to close her arc. Oh, maybe. Yeah, so I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't actually know what the whole story is there with them. But... I recognize her from earlier scenes. I think maybe she came as well because she's friends with Val. You know, they would hang out together and that kind of thing. And so she's just showing support. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so now this is a beautifully shot scene. Look at this, Sam. If that is not a telling scene, then I don't shot, then I don't know what it is. It cuts into this dining room and it's just Val by herself at this massive table with these lots of empty chairs. If that is not a shot of loneliness. Yeah. Look at her right on the other side, far away. She's even like a tiny little person in this big frame. Chivi gives her food. Always mother henning. Okay, so now she's replaying in her head the conversation she had with Lucia about Jules's father being their chauffeur. Phones. So she phones Jules. We're seeing Jules and Val on the phone together again. And the last time they spoke was also on the phone and Juliana offered to go and be with Valentina and explain that she was there when she got kidnapped and Valentina kind of pushed her away and, you know, said she didn't want to do that and basically hung up on her. So it makes sense when Juliana says, you know, I was giving you your space, but yeah, they're going through it now. But she also says that, you know, she's been really worried about Val. Yeah. And she's been missing her. And Val looks like she's about to burst into tears. And she says she's better now. She's she's on something. And Val asks Jules to come by. Because she doesn't feel like actually going out herself. I think she's still having a bit of, like, issues. And then the next scene. The next scene. We cut to the reunion. So Jules and Val are back together again. In Val's bedroom, kiss each other. They're not going to. But that's what I want. I know. <laughs> Val makes Jules sit down on the bed. She's going to have a serious conversation with her, and she's like bracing herself for this. I don't know if you noticed, but scenes that I don't, not that I don't care as much about, but I'm not as emotionally invested in, I can be more critical and offer high level. But on this one, I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like, if you want to know what's going on in my head, that's it. That's all that's happening. <laughs> so, well, Monica fangirls over there. Everybody's so pretty. <laughs> After a very brief conversation about what's been happening, oof, that look, right? That look and that face Juliana makes. Like, oh god, everything about it is so perfect. They acted the hell out of this scene. Because it's a big reveal, you know? 
like they both found out these this crazy separate th- things separately but now like they have to talk about it and this is like a big big deal Val asks Jules is Jacob your father and Jules says yes and Val is like that moment when Val is reacting to that is such a beautiful moment she sort of pulls back and she straight up says I can't believe you lied to me oh wow and then there's like all these feelings right so Val is struggling because she thought Jules was keeping the secret the whole time and Jules is trying desperately to explain that actually no no she just discovered this and she hasn't spoken to Val since she discovered it right but still I mean that has to be so emotional for Valentina because she's running back through their relationship and thinking like the whole thing was like a lie or a fabrication or even worse Ava was right that Juliana was using her for some nefarious purpose Jules straight up says the first time I saw him was when the cops brought him out into the ambulance and Val you can see Val is really struggling to believe any of this She's shaking her head. She's putting her hand in front of her face. And and Jules is trying desperately to explain. And of course, we know that Jules is telling the truth 100%. But I love how they do this. You know, I love that there's a miscommunication or they both have interpretations of what happened, but they get to it right away and they're having this conversation. But because it's such a complicated topic, you know, even if they agree they believe one another, then they have to be like, well what the heck's going on, which sets the stage perfectly for them to run off on a little adventure together. (laughs) But it's so good because you can fall into the trap of just having half a show of like a miscommunication where somebody assumes something about the other or whatever and they don't talk. So this show will do that, but they won't fall into the trap of having it as the whole conflict. It's just a catalyst for something else to happen. Absolutely. So they're having the conversation and at this point Val is saying like she doesn't understand what's going on because the guy she knows is amazing and he is, you know, kind to her and he saved her life and and eventually she gets very agitated and she says, just leave. And Jules is like, no, I'm not going anywhere. You have to listen to me, Val. And I'm just like, yes, stay, stay, tell her, kiss her, yeah. love each other. And they're not going to. But anyway. But they will today. They will today? Yeah. That's Val's red shirt. That's Juliana's gold jacket. This is what they're going to be wearing in the kitchen scene. Really? Is it the same day? God, it feels like forever. Yeah, she just doesn't have the cardigan anymore. Yeah, because they're going to go find Camilo. Oh, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. You can go eat some toast. <laughs> I know! Okay, so tangent. And... Jules is now explaining to Val about her visits to the hospital and her mother's theory that this isn't, in fact, Alcino. It's just his body with somebody else in it. And, you know, what they're talking about is bad shit crazy, but they're communicating so well. Juliana's like, no, you need to listen to me. And she's like, I don't believe this, but my mother does. And she's convinced, like, they're putting it all on the line. They're catching each other up in the most important ways. And, you know, now Val's got a mission. So she hops up and runs out of her bedroom, I think with a an invigoration that she just 
has not had since all of this started happening. Val gets a phone call and it's Gie and she's telling him all the stuff now about the hitman and the driver and the whole spiel. And I think this is just, the goal is just to catch up a lot of characters on what's going on now so we can have everybody in on the plot. What do you think about that face Juliana made? Because, like, the brother and sister are talking on the phone, and then Juliana's sitting in a chair with her arms crossed, and she kind of makes this funny face. It's not funny, but she kind of looks pissed. I think she's frustrated because it hasn't resolved with Val. Her conversation hasn't resolved with Val, and then Val is now busy with talking to brothers and being sidetracked by other things. I also think that she's rolling her eyes a little bit at Val's interpretation of the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Now. Okay, so this is actually has to be one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing. Val and Jules arrive at psychiatrist dude's, uh, like, office. Camillo's. We can call him Good Santa if you want. Good Santa. (laughs) Good Santa's office. And he has them sit down and... Okay, so this is like a two-seater couch or whatever it is. They're managing to sit on like a half a seat together. Yeah. They're like squished right together. Everything is touching from shoulders to oh, knees. Oh, I'm surprised they don't like wrap their arms, you know, intertwine their arms like while they're Wait sitting there. Wait for it, Monica. Watch how Val spends the entire time watching Jules. Oh my God. She, yeah. She's got it so bad. I love it. Uh, why are we cutting out to Gie and what's her name, Lucia? Because now they're talking, because now Gie knows. So Gie goes to Lucia and he's asking what is going on with Hakabo. Uh, right, so now Lucia's finding out about the hitman dealio, which she obviously didn't know. And now we're back to Jules and Val. Val is filling good center in on Jules' history with her father. And Jules is saying, you know, her father's a liar and she's going to go to the cops. And the dynamic duo has come together for different reasons. I think Valentina just wants to understand and Juliana wants to punish, which is very, very within their characters. But it doesn't matter because it brought them together. This conversation has another dynamic going here because Good Santa is friends with Val's father, who's currently occupying Jacob's body, who's actually the body of Jules's father, right? So, but he's good friends with this dude, and so he wants to not see this dude in jail. Right, and Good Santa's totally on board because not only did he write the book on transmigration, so he absolutely believes in it as, if not just a construct, a, a real possibility, And he and Val's dad were very good friends. And at the beginning of the show, Hakabo comes to him and proves, you know, talks about things that only the two of them could have known together when they were younger and in university. So he, yeah, good Santa is team Hakabo, Val's dad, like trying to get this all to to work out. Right, so, but he has to tiptoe around this because he can't also reveal that it is in fact Val's father in this body while he's having this conversation with Jules and Val. Right. So it makes for an interesting and dynamic conversation. Also, it's hilarious to me that he keeps asking what Juliana's name is 
and keeps like it's Juliana, right? It's he Juliana. knows like, exactly who she is. So now, Good Sense is talking about the whole reincarnation thing, and he's saying, "Yes, it it was your father's body, but it's actually not your father. It's this other guy." And Jules and Val are reacting slightly differently to this. They both skeptical. But Jules is like, this is such BS. She's literally rolling her eyes. And Val is, you can't be serious. Val looks like she's about to burst into, like, laughter. And here's the thing, good Santa. It's not difficult to understand. It just sounds crazy. That's what we're going through here. So you can see Val is trying to believe him. She knows this dude. She's read his books. So she's trying to sort of wrap her head around this. So she even talks about, you know, it's like in your books. So now he offers Jules one of his books so that she can start reading it. And now Val asks the key question. She says, if Jacob is not Jules's father, then who is he? And I think that that's so... In a normal conversation, like, that's not actually the key question because he's Jacobo Reyes, this person that they just don't know because Mexico City is a city of millions and millions of people. But I think Val asks that because she feels this connection with Jacobo. Like, I think she's asking, she's asking, is it her dad? Like, she, I can't, I don't think she can conceptualize yet. Or be hopeful enough to think that that's what it is. But she feels this connection toward him. And the way their conversations have started to go is that of like father-daughter and how she engaged with her dad. I don't think that anybody else would have ever asked that. They would have just assumed it's Jacobo Reyes, this person we don't know. Mm. Good point. So now we're intercutting between more conversation with Guille and Lucia. She's looking increasingly stressed. And yeah, she got the ball rolling by telling Val, but then Val told Guille, and now Guille is taking his little pieces of information. They're kind of playing telephone, but not in an annoying way. But they needed to all tell each other so that Guille could then go to Lucia and be like, hey, this guy used to be a hitman, and she's blown away. Right, because if she's falling for him. I don't know if uh, Hakobo has told her yet who he really is. So Gia says, should we go to the cops? And she's like, not yet. She's got some other plans. So she goes and gets a file. It's a nefarious file with nefarious things in it. I actually don't know. I've never watched the scene before. Yeah, I think she just said she needed to go to a meeting, Sheena. (laughs) (laughs) Do not confuse the viewer like that, because that could be completely within the realm of possibility. Completely, but I actually don't know or care really what's going on with her, very honestly. Okay, so now we're back with the people I actually care about. Oh man, you have no idea, like, the thrill when I was watching this live that you feel when you see, like, the exterior shot of a building you know, and you know there's a very good chance that the babies will be in it. Oh, I developed, I developed, like, a Pavlovian response to it. (laughs) I love that. So... Val is pushing. Who is he? Who is he? So eventually, Good Santa says he's a guy that he knows from university. And just side note, like that is either a very low sofa or Valentina really does have the longest legs in the world. She does. 
Yes, they're sitting at the different heights. We're still explaining about transmigration and stuff, and but but look at the way, look at the way Val is looking at Jules. She keeps looking at her like, "Oh, come on, man, that I just want to frame that shot." Yeah, that is why it's my favorite scene. Yeah, just because of the way that Val is looking at Jules, like longing. Oh my god, you think she might just like push sideways and try and kiss her, right? The longing. It's and it's so weird because like Camilla's just talking and you're like, this is important. Maybe I should focus on that. <laughs> but just this so these scenes, I had to watch them so many times because yeah, he's talking about something really important and I had to read the subtitles. And you get a little distracted reading the subtitles from fully watching the scene. Where you're like, no, this is like the way Valentina is looking at Juliana is absolutely the most important part of that scene. 100%. Jules is now saying she wants to go back to the hospital to get answers. So Good Sense is actually making some sense. And he's saying, listen, he was just shot by like really bad guys and he's busy healing. And it may not be the best idea to go to the hospital now. Maybe wait till he comes out of the hospital. You know, eager teenager. Uh, and then, I don't know. Val looks all gorgeously at Jules and says something. Right, and I, this whole scene, because, okay, now Juliana is looking at Val the same way Val is looking at Juliana, but before that, you know, Juliana is engaged in the conversation and she's, like, trying to understand this, and Val's just, like, in a different world, just watching Juliana and watching how she is absorbing it. Absolutely. And you can see her eyes trailing over Jules's face. It's just so gorgeous. Oh, oh! This is one of my favorite scenes. Yes. Okay. So now we cut to later after they've... Uh... Should we stop here today, though? Because this we is... We should. Is we should stop here today. Ah, we're getting I mean, to good stuff. Next time. Next uh, time. Yeah. Okay. And they really... This show does such a good job of giving you just enough to make it like you know to have a scene with them together or to have a scene this important with them together absolutely Monica thanks so much yeah you're listening to lesbians on screen I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen Monica can you tell listeners where they can find you online very socially active online uh, just depends on what channel uh, so twitter is my jam if you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that i will communicate back so it's at monica mccallan and that's on twitter i do have a facebook fan page and i have a website www.monicamccallan.com but for sure if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff twitter is where you can find me Thank you for listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens. Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Julian Tina. If you love this podcast, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.